Constable Precinct 3 office. There's countless opportunities right now reaching out to these smaller agencies because all of them want to take their training online. So sit back, listen, and Dan and I'll tell you a little more about it. All right. So when you launched online learning at your department, um, what's the first problem you ran into? One of the biggest problems that we had was uh, people's different level of technology as far as their knowledge. And so we had certain people that were comfortable with computers, comfortable with uh, taking courses, designing courses. And and what I mean by that is they were used to at least uh, creating uh, outline and questions and things that they would put in a PowerPoint. But then to take that online, it became more challenging just because they had to change their mindset, I think, between a PowerPoint standing in front of a class versus someone having to either watch them on video, having to follow some type of document. Uh, So it it was sort of challenging to them. I think the biggest hurdle that we've had to overcome is how do you take a great instructor who has no real knowledge of technology and be able to take their knowledge and put it online to share with others? So when you discuss that, um, did you find that people had difficulty getting in front of a camera versus being in a classroom kind of? Yeah, but, uh, by all means. And I don't know what it is about a camera. Maybe it's just the fact that you're not staring at a person, that it's just an inanimate object that you're looking at. I think people are very uncomfortable with that. In my line of work, the only time usually you have a camera in your face is when it's uh, the media who's challenging you on some uh, issue. So that becomes uh, sort of intimidating. But to a class, I mean, instructors are are used to it. They are used to talking to uh, other people. They've taught the same course over and over. They're having that interaction with a person versus a video camera. I think it's that inanimate object that it takes a little bit to get used to, to understand that there's a person on the other side of that that you're talking to. Yeah, we have the same problem with students who don't want to show their face, so they'll put something in front of their face so that they're not on camera. Did you find it it was difficult for your detectives to do the front-loading process that it requires to take everything online? I think that uh, after the instruction on you know how to make a YouTube video or how to make a video, upload it to YouTube, make a link, to create the test, create quizzes, to put different things uh, that they normally are used to using, PowerPoints and whatnot. Uploading it didn't seem to be as much of a problem uh, after, again, once they had some instruction on you, just put it here and and address it uh, as, as you helped them and instructed them with showing them that it was just a file folder or a compartment that they were putting this particular thing, a module as most of the LMS call it, uh, that became um, easier for them to to go through, for them to work through. You know, one of the biggest, uh, I guess, challenges, one of the things that we even went to online learning for was we're a smaller department. And one of the issues that we ran into is that there's many mandatory classes that we have to put on throughout the year. And for us to put on those mandatory classes and still keep officers on the street, 
it would require us to teach the same class only about two to three people at a time and have to teach the class nine to 10 times. So you would have an instructor that had to teach possibly a multi-hour hours of courses, um, nine to 10 different times just to, to get everybody through. So we saw this as an opportunity to try to find uh, another uh, way to put things online that allowed the student or the officer to, to take this course uh, when they had the time to do so, whether it was on patrol, at the patrol office without an instructor having to be there. So when you're discussing your instructors, uh, how many were you working with? How many people in your department were designated as instructors for these online courses? Uh, we have approximately about 10 to 15 instructors. So how do you manage those? How do you, as far as project management, because the front loading of these kind of classes is very time consuming for them. Um, do you actually put them on some kind of timeline? Do you give them some sort of some sort of goal or do you just let them design at their whim? You know, it, as far as which instructor we pick to use based on uh, their abilities or knowledge, their expertise, such as we would have uh, a unit assigned to the DWI task force teaching and uh, students how to fill out DWI paperwork, right? Something specific to their job. Uh, a recent project that we had was for investigations. Our patrol officers do their own investigations of uh, more of a, I say simple nature, but some misdemeanors, some burglaries, things like that. More of the more serious crimes will come into the detectives. So the detectives were preparing the patrol officers to do uh, more investigations, to have stronger cases. So many detectives had specific roles. They would record a certain video. They would record uh, a certain uh, part of the program along with uh, crime analysts and property management, other people that, that were involved in the process. So we had many instructors on one project, but to get back to your original question of is how do you set that as far as time frame? I, I think with any project, you have to set deadlines uh, just because we all have things that take us away from our project, that take us away from our day-to-day -day activities, that people come in and need something or need that. So you have to have some type of timeline where I think it it also gives them the ability to say, hey, I'd like to help with that, but I have to finish this first. I have this deadline. So it, it's a way to keep them on track so we can produce the product. Okay. So basically, you know, it's setting up everything as 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 we do. But here's something that uh, people really want to know. How do you design something that people aren't going to just click through just to click through? Like, what do you find at your department is actually engaging in these online courses that uh, that your people actually connect to? Like, how do you how do you make it less, I guess, for lack of better terms, how do you make it less painful for them? Well, I think prior to even online learning, the the statement that was made numerous times, you know, death by PowerPoint, right? Yes. To, to, to sit there and just watch a PowerPoint and have someone read the PowerPoint to you. And, and it goes against any type of, type of teaching method, right? They're going to teach you, do not read from your PowerPoint, know your subject matter and those type of things. And I still see it over and over that you just have a PowerPoint up there and they just read through the slide, which is, yeah, people are going to click through that because they can read it themselves. Um, yeah, you know, from a design standpoint that we always used to uh, talk about that in my with my students, you know, PowerPoint was not designed to put an essay on it. In fact, good practice is to have roughly seven words per slide. You never see that. You never see that. Right. It's, it's just a bullet point. It's supposed to be for the presenter to actually have 
the knowledge of their subject. And it's just uh, cue cards, basically. It's nothing to remind them that you wanted to talk about this before that and uh, to guide them in, in what they want to talk about. But it, it shouldn't be for an instructor who has no knowledge about the subject just to walk in and read slide to slide. I think one of the most engaging things, though, as far as online learning, something that is missed, uh, which I found even taking uh, some college courses myself, was that when they go online, so many times they remove completely uh, the whole classroom part of it. And I, I truly believe that's still missed. Out of all my classes that I ever took online, uh, there was only one professor I ever came across and it wasn't a long video. It was only like five minutes long or maybe 10 minutes long during a week. And and I'm not even sure he had a room, anything fancy to set up. I I, I thought many times he had just found a broom closet somewhere at the, at the <laughs> college that he found a whiteboard. But it was him speaking. It was him talking for five to 10 minutes. He had some things on the whiteboard. And what it told me was what was important to that instructor. It was things I knew I needed to know for the test. It were things that he had gone through the material and he had found the things that he believed were important to teach on that particular subject. And I think that's what's really missed a lot of times in the online learning is that there is a subject matter expert so many times behind that material that if you just put the material out there, you're missing the experience of the person who's trying to teach you. So on our side, we actually call that instructor presence. And it's something that we really do struggle getting people to bring into the online forum because they seem to think for some reason when it's online that it has to be formal and very um, rigid. And, and honestly, one of the things that students get out of the classroom is the relationship with the teacher. And it's really important that you kind of foster that, that relationship, even though you're online, even if you're doing an asynchronous type of class, it, that relationship is really important. And I find that a lot of um, formal training programs, the ones that are really, truly successful usually have some element of humor in it. Um, I guess that's not something that you can really do in your line of work, though. No, we can. It's more of dark humor, but we, <laughs> we can we can still use humor. And there's many times that we'll still uh, turn out to, to YouTube videos and, and other resources no different than any other classroom. Many times it's what not to do. And, uh, you know, our... Our clips that we usually are pulling from is the media and how some officers have made some bad decisions or how in speaking with the public that some uh, good things and bad things were done. But uh, again, you know, back to the classroom part of it, I, I do believe it's very important to have that connection with the instructor. I've taken so many uh, online classes that at the end of the class, I could tell you nothing about my instructor. If I were to see them uh, getting coffee one day, I wouldn't have known who they were. And even if I did acknowledge who they were, we wouldn't have anything to talk about because I knew nothing about them. I knew nothing about their opinion. I had finished the course and got a grade from reading a book, taking quizzes they prepared, but honestly with no interaction with the teacher whatsoever. Yeah, those kind of classes really hurt my heart. Those and the ones where the professors just disappear through maybe at the beginning of the semester and then you just don't hear from them again until the end of the semester when you're looking at your grades and that's not really that's not really online training that's like you said that's reading a book i mean i can read a book well and i think it sort of goes back to um you know our options before so let's talk you know before online learning there was correspondence courses okay where you would actually uh, get a book 
you would have some less of things mailed to you. And and after you received this information, you took tests, you wrote essays, you did those type of things. And I really relate that to the absent professor, right? I relate that to the one who's prepared the course, has sent it out for the student to work. And at the end of it, here's your test, here's your grade. But I have no interaction other than preparing the course for you. And I guess uh, to a point, I don't know, maybe maybe that's easier for the professor. You prepare the course, you walk away for the semester and never come back. Uh, but it's certainly, especially in some very challenging courses, besides missing the true element of the course and the true education of the course, I think you're really missing out on uh, some great interaction between the students. I know myself teaching many courses, I've learned just as much from my students in teaching as they have from me in presenting the material. And I think the professors that do that are actually missing out themselves. So if somebody, um, another law enforcement agency, was trying to bring their training online like you guys have, what um, what kind of equipment would you ask them to consider? Because I know that you guys have a really tight budget. I know that uh, you have to deal with the taxpayers. and But what elements do you think are non-negotiable as far as bringing a training program online? Well, I mean, the bare bones basic of uh, getting information, you can use a phone. We all have phones to record the videos, to record photos. At that point, uh, putting it together, uh, you could use some online video editing stuff that's free. You could take it one more step further with Adobe uh, Premiere Elements, with Photoshop Elements, uh, and then, of course, taking the next step is, you know, you can spend some more money and get the, the full version of those programs to do some editing stuff. But for the most part, even if you're just going to record and take that and put it together in a presentation fashion, that doesn't cost much money. The challenge, and we face it ourselves, it doesn't matter how small of a department or big you are, you still have to, we have a our licensing agency, and we're speaking from Texas standpoint, our Texas licensing agency for law enforcement is called TCOL, which is the Texas Commission Law Enforcement Officer Standards Training. They have to see the training. They have to uh, basically approve the training. So that's a challenge because online learning is somewhat new in law enforcement. When I say new, I mean within the past five years. So there's nothing that regulates right now to say, in other words, I cannot just produce a course and say, well, this is eight hours of training or this is 16 hours of training. Uh, TCOL has to look at it and say, okay, that's a two-hour course. That's an eight-hour course because even though you may have uh, what's taken into account is let's say that you have eight hours uh, that you're recording all this stuff and you have it all together. Well, as you said, some people can click through that. Some people have the knowledge. They, they're faster learners. We see this even in the classroom where you'll have someone that catches on quicker than another person. And we always have to teach uh, to the lowest denominator, to the slowest student to make sure that they're getting it. Well, that still works the same for online. Well, just because the other person got it and they finished a little bit faster, does that mean that they only get six hours of credit for the same material that they have a mastery of versus the person that took eight hours? Now so, that's a whole different conversation right there. <laughs> but but that's something that's taken into account by T. Cole to say, how long is this? Is how much how many credit hours are you gonna get for this material? And so that's a challenge that we have, and that's working with our license and regulatory agency on putting the package together, presenting it, because at the end of it, if, if we don't get approval from them, if we don't get 
some type of um, documentation on how many hours it's going to be and it's been accepted as training, then these officers that sit through it will get no hours of training, which sort of defeats the purpose when they have to have so many continuing ed hours every two years. Yeah, I can definitely say from the design standpoint that a strong project manager would be very helpful to coordinate the SMEs and the and the designer. Um, having a shared vision would be incredibly helpful before you start the design process, uh, especially when we're working with government agencies. What I'm finding is that we are having difficulty uh, making that connection. And ultimately, every time that we have to go back and touch that training program a second time, that is costing taxpayer money. So um, having a clear vision before you ever go into it, I think, is just essential. Um, I find that a lot of people that I work with while I'm while I'm designing courses all have this. I don't know what I want, but I'll know it when I see it kind of mentality. And that's the same mentality that that I ran into in, in graphic design. And it's very um it's very resource wasteful. So I think that people definitely need to know what they want before they get started. And honestly, having all that material ready on the front end seems to be a major problem with the people that we deal with. You know, people don't understand going online isn't quite like other classroom courses. You have to have everything ready from the beginning. Uh, now, well, well, in in one experience that I've had, you know, I, I teach uh, for Teeks, which is a um, uh, Teeks Forensic Science Academy. It's a division of Texas A and M, and it teaches law enforcement, uh, forensics, and uh, firefighters. It's been around for years, but sort of their process. I've been in, involved in creating a couple of online programs with them, and the process uh, that we experienced is to reach out to the subject matter expert. The person who's over that program, over the Forensic Science Academy, uh, came from the industry, a crime scene investigator, and has, of course, many contacts throughout the industry and knows the different areas. So when uh, a particular subject, uh, whether it's uh, uh, bloodstain, crime scene photography, process and violent crime scenes, that they were able to reach out and say, okay, this this is the idea. Uh, This is what I want to accomplish at the end of this. One of the goals of our uh, forensic training was to take forensic training out to rural areas in Texas that usually could not uh, have the budget to travel to receive that type of training, or it was not available in those areas. So uh, that was sort of the guide to try to put together these courses that uh, could be shared throughout all of Texas. And it always started with talking with a subject matter expert and and developing, okay, this is this is what I want to see. This is what I want to accomplish. And then the subject matter expert looking at it and say, okay, this is what I think is important for us to put in here so you can accomplish that goal and working together with that. And that sort of started uh, the implementation or starting the uh, project, for lack of a better term, that after that was done, after possibly writing an outline, writing uh, the manual, those type of things, then it went online. Then it actually went to uh, the many different areas that are used for online. You have a, a video team, photography team that sort of puts that vision visually and graphically uh, to actually make it interesting and whether we do a video to do this. But it still starts with the with the idea, with the subject matter expert to make sure that idea is, is correct and fluid and then bring it to uh, experts such as you that can make it interesting, entertaining, and, and those things. You know, 
entertaining. So that brings up a, a good question. So what's one thing that you wish you had known before you started this whole online training program? You know, I think that uh, one of the biggest challenges, which sort of goes back to the beginning, is uh, the technology part. You know, I wish that there were easy ways, and there are. It's just knowing the many different uh, applications that are out there that can be used to make your job easier. And I think trying to find those resources, unless you have somebody who knows uh, the different applications and what they're for and how they can tie together to enhance your training, uh, you're sort of just shooting in the dark. I mean, obviously, everybody goes to the to the ones that are known. We go to YouTube, right? We go to Quizlet and the, the things that people use on a regular basis. But there's so many other educational apps, and I know you know hundreds of them <laughs> that, uh, that you can give advice on, but it's not knowing those. So, you again, it sort of goes back to that. You have a vision, you have the information, and now what do you do with it? And that's sort of where you hit that brick wall, that if you don't know what applications and what uh, you can do with that information, that's where you struggle to put it online. Well, that's what I'm here for. Thank you so much for joining me. And if there's a specific topic in instructional design you'd like us to address on this podcast, you can send your questions to mizintech, that's Z-E-N-T-E-C-H, at gmail.com, or you can drop me a DM on Instagram or Twitter. Thanks again for tuning in to the very first Ms. Zintech podcast, and we'll talk again soon. Mm-hmm.